Well, Happy New Year, everybody. How are we doing today? That music was going to keep going. I was going to start dancing up here. Just kidding. Y'all aren't ready for that yet. <clears throat> I'm not either. Well, hey, it's so good to see you today. Happy New Year. We're so gr glad that you chose to be with us today. If those of you who are watching online, let's give our online uh, congregation a big old hand and welcome them today. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for a new year. I'm grateful for a new year. How about you? Yes. Because a new year gives us the opportunity to hit reset. It doesn't really change from 11.59 on January the 30, or December 31st to 12.01 a.m. on January 1st. There's not a whole lot that changes except our mindset. We hit reset and we go, I can do something different in this year than I was doing in the last year. And so that's the wonderful, beautiful thing about uh, a new year is it allows us to kind of hit reset. And so we're going to hit reset. But before we do, how we leave one thing is how we enter the next. And we left 2020 strong as a church. And one of the things I want us to do today is I want us to celebrate what you guys have done uh, as a church, as well as our other two campuses and our online campus, our other three campuses. And that is for our Christmas gift to the world, we collectively across all campuses gave $596,000 to our projects this year. And so one of the things that we do every year is we take whatever number comes in and then we round it up to the next 100. And so we're actually going to be giving away $600,000, $300,000 to Obria Crisis Pregnancy Center right here in Gwinnett County. They do a tremendous work here in our, in our community. And uh, we're excited about all that's going on over there with those guys. And then also with Crisis Aid, we're going to help uh, build a children's hospital wing in Ethiopia and live are being changed because of your generosity. So come on, let's celebrate that. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so we are so grateful for the generosity of Victory Church, for all of you who gave sacrificially during that season. So thank you so much. And lives are being changed. Amen. All right, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this word that you have for us today. I pray, Father, that it would go deep in our heart, that it would take root in us, and it would grow to full maturity. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you brought your Bibles today? Hold your Bibles up. This is going to be the year of bringing my Bible every Sunday, right? That's what you already said. I'm going to bring my Bible every Sunday. So I'm going to have you open to two passages of Scripture. Let's open to Matthew chapter 5. Stick your finger in there or use your little thing here, put it in that chapter there, and then flip over to Isaiah chapter 60, because that's where we're going to start today. But anyway, uh, as, we entered, as we left 2020, one of the things that we, all of us, probably walked away with was a different perspective. The world in an instant shut down. The world in an instant felt like it totally changed. Just things that were normal to us. How we go to the grocery store, how we go to church. How we travel, how we get on airplanes, how we work, all of these things, how we go to school. And some of you with the, with the distance learning and the online learning, you're going, oh, yeah. How we care for one another. All these things changed, and it felt like the whole globe changed instantly. 
And then we're sitting here spending 2020 trying to figure out what in the world's going on. Even the way we come to church, we're wearing masks, and we didn't used to have to wear masks. And I just want to say to you, thank you for those of you who come and wear your mask and press through. Because I'm, I'm sure you're like me. You don't like wearing it. Anybody in here like them? We don't like wearing them. I don't like wearing them. In fact, I have a strong disdain for them. Sherry's always like, you need to wear your mask. I'm like, everybody else is wearing one. I'm okay. She's like, you need to wear your mask. But here's the thing. I'm glad that we can come to church, even if we have to wear masks. Because let me tell you something. I need you, and you need me. And I don't know if you could hear it today, but I could hear your voices lifted up in worship today. And as I'm hearing that, it's restoring and strengthening my spirit. As I hear you declaring truth. Because we don't sing songs uh, on Sunday morning. I just want you to know that. These aren't songs that we're singing. These are truths we're declaring. We're declaring the truth about God. He is our victory. He is our victory, and we walk in that victory, and we sing it in, a, in, the, in the form of a song, but we are declaring the truth of who he is. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are strong. You are always with me. This is what we're declaring. We're declaring truths about God. We're not just singing songs. So please never come back in here and go, i got to get into the song service. That's the wrong church. That's the wrong place. This is not a concert. This is a place where we declare the truth about God. And we declare the truth about who God is in us. Amen? And so we need that, and I need that. And so thank you for pressing past the difficulty that each one of you did today to come to church. you got to go online and register. you got to wear a mask. There's a lot of reasons why not, but you chose to come anyway. And so thank you for that. I'm grateful for that because you need me, and I need you. We live in one of the most individualistic nations in the world, the United States. I wouldn't trade where I live for anything. I love this country. I love this country. But God didn't create us to be individualistic. He created us to be interdependent. That's why we need each other, and that's why gathering together is important for us. So, um, so anyway, as we look into this year, things changed a lot. And what once was clear to us was no longer clear anymore. What once was old hat, we didn't even think about it. Now we have to think about everything. How are we going to eat? How are we going to go to restaurants? How are our kids going to be educated? All the stuff. Everything just went like this. This week, Pastor Mo, um, for our Midtown Campus pastor, and Pastor Darius, who is speaking at uh, Norcross, we were talking, and Mo showed us this picture, and I want to show it to you. He showed us this picture. This is a picture off of his balcony. He lives uh, down in the Midtown area. And actually, that right there is the skyline of Atlanta. Can't you see it? Literally, from his balcony, you can see the skyline of Atlanta. You can see Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You can see the aquarium. You can see all the buildings. You can see the total uh, skyline of Atlanta. But that was his view the other day when we were talking. That's what 2020 has looked like for many of us. We know that there's a city there. We know that there's something very tangible out there in the fog. And so what that fog does to us is it causes us to slow down. Causes us, for many people, it causes them to just stop. I'm just, I, I don't know what's... I don't know what's in that fog. I don't even know how to approach that fog. And so what happened is so many people stopped, and they, or, or at least slowed way down. And what was clear is no longer clear. But I just want to say this. This is a year 
2021, for the body of Christ, you, me, the church, to shine. It's a year for us to shine, to shine bright in the midst of darkness. It's a year for the light of God inside of us to be brighter than the darkness on the outside of us or all around us. The world needs us to shine this year. Not be afraid, not sit back, not, not kind of get into this self-preservation mode. Because when we get into self-preservation mode, we stop shining and we start looking inward. And we stop looking outward. We stop, we stop, to, we stop shining. And we need to shine. The world needs light right now. Here's what Isaiah 60 said. It said, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, a thick darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. So it's time for us as the body to arise and shine. Amen? We're going to shine this year. We're going to let our light shine. I remember as a kid, we used to sing this song. We hold our finger up. This little light of mine. Right? This little light of ours, we're going to let it shine. And the darker the, the world is, the brighter the light shines. It, the, the darkness doesn't dull the light. The darkness magnifies the light. It makes it more bright the darker it gets. And we are seeing right now darkness like never before. We're seeing these clouds of darkness just rest over the hearts of people. We're seeing clouds of fear and anxiety and all these things just rest down on the hearts of people. But God's saying to us, arise and shine. When he's speaking this in Isaiah chapter 60, it's a prophetic declaration Speaking about the people of Israel who were scattered abroad. And he's saying, we're going to come back together. I'm going to draw your sons and your daughters. I'm going to draw your people. We're going to come back together. So it's time for us to rise and shine. It's time for the church, the body of Christ, the big C church, not Victory Church itself. The body of Christ to rise and shine. For the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon us and will be seen upon us. Here's what the word glory means. It means weightiness, the weightiness of God, the splendor, the honor, the glory, the power, the wealth, the authority of God. That's what's resting on us. That's, what's, that's when he's saying, arise, shine. What are we shining? We're shining his glory. We're shining his honor. We're shining his authority. We're shining the light of God. Are y'all there? This is for us to shine this year. It's a year we can shine no matter what's going on or the circumstances around us. But so many times we have taken moments of darkness in, around us and we shrink back instead of advance forward. You know, when you think about the, some of the church in times of persecution, which we are not in times of great persecution here in the United States. There are people literally as we sit in this building today who are losing their life for the gospel. Literally, right in this very moment. They're giving their lives up for the gospel. There's an underground church in, in different parts of the communist world where the body of Christ, the believers there are rich, they are full, they are, they're filled with power, they're filled with strength. They know they'll be persecuted. They know they'll be beaten. They know they'll lose their lives, many of them, for the gospel's sake. Yet they let their light shine. They're not afraid. 
They're not shrinking back. They're not advancing or, or, or retreating. They're advancing the kingdom. Guess what? That same power that rests inside of them rests inside of us. So when we see the darkness arising in our world, for many of us, that scares us. But it should excite us. Because you know what that means? Every single time darkness rests upon the world, the church gets bright. The darker it gets, the brighter the church gets. The darker it gets, it begins to separate the wheat and the chaff. But those who are truly followers and believers and and God-fearing, God-loving people, their light gets brighter and brighter and stronger and stronger, and they fear no evil. They fear no evil because they know God will keep them. And even if they lose their life, they have the mindset that says to die is gain and to live is Christ. Same mindset that Paul had. We have an opportunity as the body of Christ to shine, but in oftentimes in moments like these, we tend to shrink back instead of advance forward. But here's what Matthew, open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is the Sermon on the Mount. We know this is one of the most famous sermons ever preached or ever taught ever in the history of mankind. It's when Jesus is teaching on the, on the Sermon of the Mount. And he's teaching, and it starts here in, in verse 14, and it says, You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. Say, on a stand. They put their light on a stand, not, on a, uh, not under a basket, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that, you may be see, so that you may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. Don't put your light under a bushel. Put your light on a stand so that all can see and that it will light everything around you. Put your light on a stand. But in order for us to put our light on a stand, we have to understand the metaphor that Jesus is using here. He's not saying put your light away. He's saying put your light up, put it out, put it on a stand. And in, in that metaphor, it's given us the opportunity that we are the stand. We take a stand for the things of God. Coming into 2021, it's our year to take the stand. That we have to stand and let our lights shine. We're not going to hide our lights. We're not going to put our lamp under a bushel. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to be quiet Christians. We're not going to be people who, have not, who live our lives the same as everybody else who doesn't know Christ lives. We're not going to be those people. We're going to have to be people who say, yes, it's dark. Yes, the circumstances are difficult. Yes, all this stuff is going on around us, but God. But God will keep me. God will heal me. God will set me free. God will lift the darkness. He will show me the way in the fog. He will be the light that shines in me and through me, leading the way. He's my God. And this year will be a year that we have to stand. We have to stand because we have victory. This is a year that we have, this is something, how many of you noticed when you came in today, you went, you came to Victory Church. You didn't come to the church of the defeated ones. By the very nature of our name, it's a declaration. 
Our name as a church is a declaration of the truth of God. We have victory. We just sang it. Victory is yours, God. Victory is yours. You are our victory. And circumstances don't dictate that. God, you are our victory. You are the one who guides us. But if we cannot stand, we cannot shine. So we have to stand. Here's what it, here's what it means to stand in victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 57 and 58. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the, that in the Lord your labor will not be in vain. Saying, be steadfast. Be movable. We're not moved by the, by the day. We're not moved by the circumstances. We're this, we're this people who can stand in the midst of the wind and the waves, and we can stand firm and be immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, not shrinking back, not taking ourselves, not, not coming into this moment of self-preservation, but literally saying, this is the moment for us to advance. Shine. Let our light shine. And walk in the victory that God has for us. He's given us victory over sin. I said he's given us victory over sin. He's given us victory over the law. And he has given us victory over death. He's given us victory. So we have to stand Firm. So what does it look like to stand firm this year? First is we have to stand firm. That's the thing. What does it look like to stand firm? What does it look like? The scripture has told us to be steadfast and movable. It's told us to be always abounding in the work of God. What does that look like for us? I think there are two ways that we stand firm. First is we take authority over and captive over our thoughts. We take our thoughts captive. We take our thoughts captive and then we stand in the face of fear. We don't run from fear. We're not controlled by fear. We stand in the face of fear. We take our thoughts captive and we stand in the face of fear. One of the ways the enemy tries to get us off course is through our thoughts. He tries to sway us in our thoughts. But here's what the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Say, our our weapons have the power to destroy strongholds. Say it with me. Our weapons have the ability to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And that means every faulty pattern of thought that defies God's authority. We take authority over those things and we rise up against those things. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. Let me, let me give you an illustration of what that can look like. When we talk about taking our thoughts captive, it means we walk with something that's different. This is a spear, but we can say it's a sword. This is a sword. And so what we do is when thoughts come into our mind, we can't control the thoughts that come into our mind. But what we can do is take every thought captive. 
Instead of allowing it to control us, we take it captive. And here's what it means. We hold every thought down like this. We hold it down and we hold it at spear point and say, you must come into obedience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Fear, you have no place. Divorce, you have no place. Sickness and disease, you have no place. Shame and guilt and condemnation, you have no place. You go back to hell from which you came from. I take you captive. We've been given authority. We've been given authority. This isn't where you come in and you go, well, Lord, if it's be your will, would you heal me? No. Lord, your word says it's by your stripes I have been healed. I receive my healing today in Jesus' name. I take captive the fear of sickness and disease, and I bring it under the, the control of an, an obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. I fear financial ruin. I bring it down. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides for me. There is nothing on this earth that can, can keep you from doing that. So God, I receive today your power. I take authority over every lying spirit that would try to draw me into fear. And I say, to hell where you came from. Divorce. I bring it down. Not here. Devil, no, not to day when you got something like this in your hand you walk a little bit differently Ogan I'm safe today Ogan watches after me make sure that nobody messes with me I'm good man this thing's been used I, I borrowed this from Pastor Aaron Bourne he wouldn't tell me what this thing has been used for, but <clears throat> I can tell you it's not clean. <laughs> but seriously, guys, we have to bring every thought, every fear captive. We are not subject to it. It is subject to the Word of God. And we have the Word of God to use as a sword, as a, as, a, as a spear to bring this thing down into obedience. One of the ways the enemy gets us off course is through fear. Through these thoughts and then through fear. Here are the things that we fear. We fear rejection. Most people fear some form of rejection. Why do you think we literally, literally pose certain things for Instagram and for Facebook. Literally, Sherry told me one day, it just broke my heart. She said, you know these decorators, like if they ever back out and you see their whole house, they've actually created a vignette and they take a picture of that vignette and you think their whole house is like that. Their whole house is a wreck. That vignette looked good. But so many of us pre present our lives that way. We show vignettes of our lives as the way we want them to be and represent the whole. Why? Because we want people to receive us and not reject us. We want them to think well of us. So there's this fear of rejection, and it's this fear. It's the way the enemy baits us into living in fear. It's through fear of rejection. It's through fear of being canceled in a canceling culture. It's fear of financial ruin. Don't you understand right now the, the economy is all up and down? Yes, I do understand that. 
But we have this fear. Many of us do. Financial ruin. What is it going to look like? What's my life going to look like in the next year, next two, next three, next five years financially? I am afraid of financial ruin. Or I'm afraid of this political culture that we're living in. I'm afraid of what it looks like, what it's going to be like. It doesn't matter which side you're on. If the opposite side's in power, you're afraid. If your side's in power, the other people are afraid. Anyway, the point is fear, 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 fear. It rules our society and our culture today. Our news channels are filled with fear-mongering. I have never watched world news and left feeling good. I have never watched Fox News and left feeling good. I have never walked away from a newscast and gone, man, I feel good. Man, I feel at peace. Man, I feel. I remember growing up and watching the the Russians march down their, their aisle with their missiles and all the stuff, and they're marching, they're showing power to the United States. And it's like, as a child, I didn't feel good about that. I didn't even know what was happening, and I'm going, I don't know what's happening in this Cold War, but it scares me. I don't, our, our, our society is built on this fear. It's just this underlying thing, uh, just under the surface, everywhere you turn. Everywhere we turn. We fear COVID. We fear the vaccine. We fear death, premature death. It's one of the greatest fears that people have. It's fear, it's fear, it's fear. Fear is one of the enemy's greatest tools to get you off mission. It's one of the greatest tools to get you to hide your light. It's one of the greatest tools to drive you into self-preservation. It's the tool the enemy uses. But here's the thing we need to know about fear. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is a spirit. It is a spirit, and spirits talk. And spirits come, and they will talk to you. The spirit of fear will come and prophesy to you. It'll come and prophesy spirit of financial ruin. It'll come and prophesy death. It'll come and prophesy all the doom and gloom. It'll come and prophesy a future without God in it. And when that comes, we feel fear. That's the, that's the thing that begins to rise up within our heart. And if we're not careful, we give into it and we start self-protecting. We start guiding ourselves and we try to take control of life. And we try to take control of situations and circumstances. We try to take control of people. God said, never told us to take control. If he told us anything, he's like, relinquish control. Relinquish control. Take that fear Captive. It's speaking to us. And here's what we do. Here's what we do with spirits sometimes. It's so, it's, it's, we all do it. I've done it. You've done it. Where these spirits are starting to talk to us. And you're going, something's saying. Something's telling me. Something, 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 something is a spirit that has an assignment that is coming to you to speak to you. And when we listen to it, what oftentimes people do, instead of taking authority over it, they try to reason with it. They try to reason with it. 
And they'll come back and say, well, let me tell you why financial ruin is on, on the brink of, why we're all on the brink of financial ruin. Because of this and this and this and this and this and this. But what do we do with the Spirit of God that says, I'm Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides for you. See, there's spirits talking to us all the time. There's the Spirit of God. There's the spirit of the enemy. Which one is louder in your ears? It can be reflected in the disposition of your life. Which one is the loudest? Fear is not a feeling. Fear is a spirit and it's a tormenting spirit. It comes to torment us. It is a tormenting spirit. It causes us to do things we wouldn't normally do. Why? Because we've either reasoned with it, agreed with it, and given it power over our lives. And God is saying, take him captive. Take that thing captive. Don't reason with it. Cast it out. First John 4.18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. When I was a kid, I had a cat in a hat bedroom set. My curtains, my, you know, bed cover, all that was cat in a hat. Y'all know who cat in a hat is? Well, I had a very vivid and active imagination. I still kind of do. My imagination, I'm laying there in bed, and every night I would go to bed, I thought people were under my bed. There was something under my bed that was going to get me. So I wouldn't get out. Even if I had to go to the bathroom, I would not step my foot down, or if I did, I got on top of my bed, and I jumped far away from my bed and ran out, out of my room. I had, a, I had a hall, I mean, my closet in my room was a sliding door, and it wasn't quite even, so when you would close it, the door would slide open just so slowly. And I would sit there in bed, and I would watch this door slide open, and I'm thinking, somebody's about to stick a gun through there and shoot me while I'm in my bed. Well, one night, I'm sitting here, and I'm just staring at Cat in a Hat. And all of a sudden, Cat in a Hat transformed into a lion. And I want to tell you, he was real to me. That lion became very real to me. And I remember being so afraid, even to call my dad. We lived in a small house, so he wasn't far away. But I was even afraid to call my dad because I was afraid, if I call my dad, he's going to attack me and kill me. This was my imagination, and this thing turned totally into a lion. The head of a lion, and it's looking at me, and it's, Argh. Finally, I cried out to my dad, and he came in, and I said, there's a lion right there. And he said, where? All I see is cat in the hat. I was like, no, there is cat in the hat, but there's a lion right there. So my dad walks over, and he opened the window. And he just grabbed his head. You get out of here. He said, is he gone? I was like, he's gone. You know what my dad did? He came in and took captive fear. And he threw it out the window. That's exactly what he did. He didn't try to reason with me and tell me, no, that's not a lion. To me, it was a lion. And as a child, 
my dad came in and conquered that thing and took it out. That's what the Lord wants to do for you. There are things that are cat in the hats in your life, but they appear to be lions. They appear to be lions. And you've just backed away from it because you're afraid of it. God's saying, no, take it captive. You don't, have to, you don't have to shrink back from fear. You don't have to shrink back from fear. Because in me is perfect love, and in me there is no fear. There is no fear. One of the things that we fear the most right now is death. We're seeing this, this virus, and I'm going to tell you, the virus is real. And some of you have lost friends or you've lost family to the virus, and I'm very, very sorry. I, I hate that, that people have truly lost their lives over this virus. But this is a virus that has swept the world, and the number one thing that people fear is dying. It's the number one thing that people are afraid of right now. If I get COVID, am I going to die? If I sneeze, am I about to die? We literally are so on edge with it. And the reason we're so on edge with it is there's no rhyme or reason to it. There are people that have no symptoms to people who die. There are people who have pre-existing conditions that make it through, and there are healthy people that don't. It's something that's just permeating the culture. It's a fear. But I want you to see it for what it is. It's fear. Are people dying? Yes, some people have passed away. And many have recovered. Most have actually recovered. So what do we do with it? We walk in wisdom with it. We walk in wisdom with it. I don't wear a mask everywhere. Literally, Sherry will say, you need to wear your mask. I'm one of those guys. I'm like, oh, I hate wearing my mask. But there are times where I'll get out of my car, and I'm about to walk into a store, and I've left my mask on my console. There are times where I'm going, it's okay, and I'll walk in and walk out. And then there are times for no rhyme or reason I go, uh, I think I'm going to get my mask. I feel it right here. And I go back and get it. There are times when we've walked into restaurants. Literally, we were in a restaurant this week, full, no social distancing. The restaurant was full. People were waiting to be seated. Walked in. We had dinner. I was fine. But I have walked into restaurants and gone, um, mm, no, and walked back out. We have to use wisdom. But we do not have to be driven by fear or controlled by it. You see, the opposite of fear is not faith. The opposite of fear is peace. The opposite of fear is not faith. It's not that we're going to believe. The opposite of fear is faith. I mean, uh, fear is uh, peace. The opposite of unbelief is faith. But God wants to give us a spirit of peace. And one of the things I want to I share with you today and if you've lost someone, I, I, my heart goes out to you. And I don't want to diminish that in any way. But I do want to say that we do not have to fear death. We don't have to fear it. We're all been appointed to die. That's coming. And we don't have full control over that. Let me read this passage of scripture to you. Hebrews chapter 2. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh... Made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. 
And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Who had the power, who had, 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 past tense, the power of death. Only in this way could he set all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. When we are so afraid of dying, we become a slave to dying. And we begin to self-preserve. God never called us self-preservation. Never called us to it. He He called us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. Job chapter 14. This is Job talking to God. He's saying... You have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live. And, the, and we are not given one minute longer. We're not. We can't preserve. We see, we see Timothy. We see this example with Timothy. Where Paul is talking to Timothy. When you read the books of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, I want you to read them like letters written from one person to another because that's actually what it is. It's a letter that was written from Paul, the mentor, the spiritual father of Timothy, and he's writing to Timothy. And he's writing to Timothy from prison. He's writing to Timothy knowing that he's about to lose his life for the gospel. He's writing to Timothy to say, hey, you know, this is the last time you're probably going to hear from me, so I have a few things I want to say to you. He's also writing in a season of time where Nero was ruling, and Nero was so such a persecutor of Christians. He would literally take human beings and put them on a stake and put them in his garden and light them on fire for light in his garden at night. That's how evil he was. So Timothy had reason to be afraid. There was true persecution of the church. And Paul is writing him from a prison. And if you could just peer through the window of this prison cell and see this old seasoned man of God writing to a younger man by candlelight and he's sitting here writing and here's what he says to him. He says, Timothy, remember the faith of your mother and your grandmother. Timothy, fan the flame that's inside your heart. Fan the gift He could have told him, step back, Timothy, and self-preserve. But no, he said, Timothy, step forward into the gift and the call. Step forward into the work of God. Abound in the work of the Lord that was given to you by the laying on of hands. Then he said these words that we're all familiar with. Timothy, for God did not give you a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound, peaceful mind. Timothy, fan this flame. Timothy, advance in the midst of darkness. Timothy, advance. You know what he's saying to us? Fan the flame. Don't retreat back. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Pull the light off. Put it on a stand. Advance. Why? Because I did not give you a spirit of fear. But I gave you love and power and a sound mind. 
Let's go. We do not need to fear death. That's what Paul was saying to Timothy. As Paul is facing death himself. He could have told him to, to, hey, run back to your mama, Timothy. Go back to your mama. I know your people have deserted you. I know there's difficulty in front of you. No, he said, advance, Timothy, let's go. 2021, we must arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. So we step into this year We don't fear death. We don't fear financial ruin. We don't fear. We say, fear, you must go. You must go back to where you came from. I take that fear captive. I will not let it have my life. I will not let it rule my mind. I will not let it hold my thoughts captive. I take it captive, and I advance for the kingdom. God has given us the spirit of love. It's not a feeling. It's a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a spirit of a sound mind. And so then we have to stand out. A couple weeks ago, I preached about peace. And here, let me just tell you something. Peace is one of the things that will make us stand out in the midst of chaos. When we walk with peace, it, it, people notice that. People notice that about you because peace becomes your testimony. Peace becomes a testimony in your life. And it helps us, it makes us stand out in the midst of crazy. And I'm going to remind us of this passage that I I preached on a couple weeks ago. In John chapter 14, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let uh, Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. The opposite of fear is not faith. The opposite of fear is peace. One of the greatest testimonies ever said to Sherry and I, When people come into our home, and oftentimes they'll say this, your home is so peaceful. That's a testimony of God. It's not a testimony to us. It's a testimony to God. Because here's the thing. The enemy uses fear. God uses peace. The enemy is the author of confusion, and he's a liar. God is the prince of peace, the ruler, the leader. Wherever he is, there is peace. So when you don't have peace in your life, don't start condemning yourself to say, God, would you come into this area of my life? If you have fear of financial ruin, God, would you come and be the Lord over my finances? If you have fear of dying, Lord, would you come be the Lord over my health? Bring him into your life and let the peace of God rule your heart. Peace is our testimony. And when we walk in peace, it stands out. And peace is our guide. The Bible is very specific, but it's not totally specific. Well, what do you mean? It doesn't tell you what car to buy. It doesn't tell you what person to marry. It doesn't tell you what house to buy. It doesn't tell you a lot of things. So how then can we know? How can then in the midst of chaos and craziness, how can we know? Peace. Peace is a guide. Peace is our testimony and peace is our guide. It will tell us all these things. And here's the thing about when we get out over darkness, it gets us disoriented. This happened to John F. Kennedy Jr. I don't know if you remember this several years ago. John F. Kennedy Jr. flew his plane into Martha's Vineyard. He crashed his plane. And what, what, the cause of it, they said, was vertigo. 
was vertigo. He had vertigo. He thinks he's upright, but actually he's going a different way. And when, the, when chaos is happening around the world, chaos is happening in our world and things get foggy, we can get spiritual vertigo. Spiritual vertigo. This is where we, 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 we don't know which way is up anymore. So how do we know which way is up? By the peace of God. God will always lead us in peace. He will never lead us in fear. Never. He will always lead you in peace and he will keep you in peace. So the enemy wants to get us to have spiritual vertigo. So if he can steal our peace, he can get us over dark areas of our life and we get vertigo and we crash. It's like this. When the enemy comes in, it's like he walks up into the cockpit of our life and he takes a hammer and he knocks one of the guiding instruments out, which is peace. If he can do that, we'll end up with spiritual vertigo and we'll come to crash to our death. That's what he's after. But God is a God of peace. So we stand firm, we stand out, and then we stand together. I need you, you need me. You know what? When I hear you worshiping, I need to hear that. And I know our masks have have impacted that, but I heard you today. And every time I hear this congregation lifting up, exalting the truth about God, glorifying God, lifting up the name of Jesus against every other thing that would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, it stirs me in my inner being. It strengthens me. That's why we need to come together. That's why we need to be together so we can hear one another. So we can care for one another. We can bear one another's burdens. This is the way God made us. And just the lifting of your voice in worship stands strong for me. So I want to read this passage of scripture to us. Psalm 133. We know it. We're very familiar with it. Many of us are. It says, Behold how good... And how pleasant it is when brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. It's important that we walk in unity. And if anything's been under attack and then 2021 it has been against us in the area of fear and unity. And I don't know if you remember this, but a few weeks ago, I said, I believe that the Lord, I'm calling you. Because I believe the Lord is calling us to live a life of maturity and of unity. To get above the fray. To get above the political discord. To get above the the racial riots. To get above the disease or this uh, virus to get above these things to live above them in unity because it doesn't matter who rules in the White House Jesus still rules in his house are there ramifications to it? sure are there some we like and some we don't like? sure but the point is They're temporal, all of them. But he rules in ways that are not temporal. And he wants us to stand this year. So I say, arise, shine, for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon us.
And we will go out into this year in 2021. We will go with strength. We will go with the declaration of truth on our tongue. We will go forward and be a light in this dark world. We will be people who bring hope to the hopeless, bring peace to the broken, bring healing to the broken, bring hope to this world. We are the ones that are going to carry that this year in 2021. I believe that with all of my heart. Would you stand with me? And I want us to lift our hands to the Lord. I want us just to lift both hands to the Lord today. And the reason we're lifting our hands to the Lord is we're saying we're going to surrender to you, God. So, Father, we lift our hands to you. And, Father, we use our tongues to declare the truth about who you are and who we are and the power we have in the kingdom of God. So today, God, we thank you that we are above and not beneath. We thank you that we are the head and not the tail. We thank you, God, that we are the redeemed, the one that have been set free. We thank you, God, that we do not have a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. God, we thank you that today that you cause us, that you go before us and you prepare the way for us today, God. Father, we thank you that today and we declare that you come behind us and you're our rear guard. We do not have to be self-protected. Lord, you have gone before us to prepare the way. You come behind us to guard us. Lord, we stand in the firmness and the surety of who you are. Lord, we declare that you are our King. You are our Lord. We declare today that we are not the Lord, but you are. And we submit to you. We surrender to you. We yield our lives to you. And we say be glorified in our lives, Jesus. Father, we declare today that you will take every broken area of our hearts and of our lives. And you will put it back together and break it whole in Jesus' name. Father, you'll take every broken marriage and you'll come and you'll breathe life into it. That it may live and prosper in this day and in this year. And we declare it in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare this year that you will be our God and we will be your people. We glorify your name today, God. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's lift our voices and worship today.